0: I can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. On this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast, we chat with Brian Gallagher, who is an attorney in Maryland. Um, We've actually worked with Brian for years now because he's so good to work with. Um and we actually talk about that in this episode, how he's very relationship-based. Um, he doesn't approach his business as trans from a transactional standpoint. But we talk about what Brian's up to today, but we, and we also dive into his backstory a good bit. Um, Brian served in the military um and was uh worked with uh, I guess detainees and, um, in Iraq. And then when he got back from Iraq, he went through a pretty, pretty rough time personally. Um, and we talk about that and then talk about how he bounced back, um, and ended up working for a particular law firm for 12 years and how he just recently jumped out on his own. So this one is great for anyone who's a small business owner, who's an attorney or who has a W2. And if you're thinking about making that leap, to entrepreneurship, um, this is a very good episode for you. Um, we touch on how there's no single recipe for success and also how just everyone has their own path um, and a lot about relationships versus transactions and a lot about quality over quantity and we do touch on the mental health aspect of things and how um you know it's okay to get get therapy and get counseling and, um, you know, it's a really, I I think, um, Brian's a very grounded person and, uh, it was really refreshing to talk to him and, and, um, you're going to love this episode.
1: Investors, have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S dot Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance.
0: Welcome everybody to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am thrilled today to have with us Brian Gallagher. I forgot to say I'm Jamie Bateman, your host. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing good. Brian is an attorney who is uh we we've worked with Brian for several years now and he's a rock star attorney and just uh, branched out on his own which we're going to talk about. Um so Brian for the listener out there give us a snapshot of who you are today and and what you're up to today. What, why should we listen to you?
2: Well, that's your choice if you want to uh <laughs> if you want to listen to what I have to say. <laughs> I try not to talk too much so uh um so uh about Five weeks ago or so, um, I left my law firm. Um, I was a, a partner at a about a thirty attorney a thirty attorney firm uh, in Annapolis. I'd been there for about twelve years, um, and uh, decided to go out on my own. Um, we can get into some of the reasons uh, about that sure. as, as we go along. Um, but uh, yeah, I branched out on my own. Um, set up shop uh solo practitioner right now uh that'll probably change in the in the next couple months um as i hopefully uh i'll probably hire somebody in the coming months uh an associate to help me out um but the the majority of my work uh centers around real estate um i'd say probably 50% of my work maybe a little bit more revolves around the note industry which mm-hmm. I kind of just unexpectedly fell into. <laughs> um, you know, it's one thing I, I learned with with lawyers is it's incredibly difficult to say I want to be this type of lawyer and then go and try and find those specific clients. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found is it it kind of finds you. And hmm. um, so, it's about, actually, you know, yeah.
0: I'm sorry. That's a really interesting point. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll maybe touch on this later, but. I, I do end up talking a decent amount. One one of the patterns or lessons I've learned through doing this, this, all these interviews is, you know, finding su- success has a lot to do with um, serving others and, and understanding what the, where the opportunity lies. So it's not just focused on, Hey, what does Brian Gallagher want to do? You know, you know, yeah, you might've, you obviously wanted to be an attorney, but, what type of law well it's actually you're more focused on where the need is um and and kind of looking outside yourself but um it's a little a little bit you know too philosophical for this earlier. no, no.
2: <laughs> I don't think so at all I mean it's funny, so you know we can get into my life before I started working at at my firm um but you know it, was, it gotten out of the military started working at the firm um doing you know working for you know a guy who would become my mentor um and I was doing some real estate litigation for him, and I always knew that in order to control your own destiny as an attorney, you really needed to have a book of business. and And mm-hmm. how do you, how do you create a book of business? There's mm-hmm. a million. Yeah, you know, I've read so many books and and looked at so many podcasts, and mm-hmm. there's no real specific recipe for success. Every different type of uh, attorney has a different path to gaining their their book of business. Um, and and I really equate, I equate it to dating uh, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, trying mm-hmm. to develop my book of business. When I first got into private practice, I was going to a million different networking events for everything under the sun from, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a religious related group to, you know, a, a chamber of commerce type thing. Uh, to something else, and it was you kind of felt like you were just throwing darts blind mm-hmm. and then things started to narrow a little bit, and I realized, well, I like real estate. I'm a real estate investor myself, mm-hmm. and you know I'm starting to get a couple of cases in this window and and then I really kind of focused my my networking efforts and uh, just kind of dropped the throttle on that. And, and I was <laughs> nice. lucky enough that it kind of worked out.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, well, I, I can vouch for your your services. It's It's been fantastic working with you over the last uh, five, six years, whatever it's been. So,
3: yeah. but yeah.
0: let's jump back into your backstory. You mentioned your military service. Um, tell us a little bit about that. And um, I think you ended up... In Iraq, so tell give us a little more context about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I um, got out of law school, got a judge or a got a job clerking for a judge. So with lawyers, um, they're called judicial clerkships. You do them for a year. So you you apply uh, to all the different individual judges and and hope you get one. Um, I was lucky enough to get a judicial clerkship. So got out of law school, doing my judicial clerkship and i looked around and all my all my buddies were starting to get married they were starting to move in with girlfriends and i just kind of wasn't there yet Mm -hmm. um and i i realized this you know i didn't wasn't seriously dating anybody um and i realized this this is my opportunity to go do something different i'm probably never going to have this opportunity again i'd always it always been a thing in my head of of maybe I wanted to serve in some capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember Naval Academy was recruiting me for for baseball until they found out that I was severely colorblind. And oh, uh
0: interesting. I mean I sudden, am as well.
2: Yeah. <laughs> all of all of a sudden it was like, well, maybe you're not that good at baseball that we're gonna <laughs> try to push that one through. Right. <laughs> um and so I I kind of went full bore and and decided I wanted to try to do the JAG route uh, and and be a military attorney. So looked at all the the different branches, Um, the Navy and the Marine Corps, they did their recruiting a little bit different. They wanted to catch you while you were still in law school. Mm -hmm. Um, The army and the air force academy or the air force didn't necessarily have those kind of strictures. So I applied to both. Uh, Army calls me up and says, great, you're accepted. Uh, your first duty assignment would be Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Okay. Shortly thereafter, the Air Force calls and says, hey, you're accepted. Uh, mm-hmm. Your first, first station would be Hurlburt uh, Field, which is literally on the beach in Florida. So I <laughs> it wasn't necessarily <laughs> a hard decision. I, <laughs> sure. I, I went to the beach.
0: Sure. Who um, wouldn't? Um, Yeah. yeah. And how old are you at this point?
2: I'm 25. Gotcha. At that point, 25 turning 26. Yeah. Got it. So went down, went down to Florida. Um, It was, it was a great experience. I mean, I I got my first, you know, I, I get to my, my station and my boss walks in and, you know, and says, great. Great to have you. Here's your first case goes to trial in about a month, and it was uh, an airman that was accused of raping two women. Oh wow! Um, and that was a, a very you know satisfying experience. Um, hmm. You know, you're, you're representing the Air Force. You know, I'm a prosecutor in the Air Force, but you know, helping these two young women sure. feel like there was a sense of justice served. Uh, hmm. You know, we were lucky enough to get a conviction. Uh, was a really satisfying experience.
0: Wow, absolutely. And I mean, that's pretty, you know, for be in your mid 20s, that's, you know, it's pretty important work right yeah, there. That's, yeah. Um, yeah. So
2: I was, I was doing that, you know, just I was prosecuting cases and, and down in Florida, it was kind of what you would expect for a, a base that's on the beach. You know, it, it's a lot of just kind of party crimes, mm-hmm, um, you true. know, party drugs, you know, there was, different allegate, you know, different sexual assault allegations, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I get a, uh, get a call I hadn't been down there that long, maybe a year, which for assignment turns isn't, isn't that long.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, I get a call from our assignment office in DC and they said, you know, Captain Gallagher, uh, are you married or do you have any kids now? That's a weird question. No, I don't have <laughs> right. to any kids. Are you married? No. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna PCS you out of cycle up to uh Missouri to fill a deployment billet.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. What uh what where in Missouri?
2: Warrensburg. It was uh Whiteman Air Force Base. They fly the B two mm-hmm. out of there. Okay. I mean gotcha. middle middle of nowhere Missouri
0: sure yeah I mean, no, there's I'm trying not to chime in too much because there's so much I can relate to on a personal level but um yeah I uh first of all <laughs> you decided to do your military service before you got married so that was pretty smart um I did it the other way I did around.
2: before I got married <laughs> which turned out to be good choices
0: <laughs> yeah I ended up missing my first our first three wedding anniversaries which oh because of the military so that In hindsight, wasn't so smart, but you give up a lot of control once you join the military. But as as you, as you, uh, as you, as we just saw with the the move to Missouri, um, and I also spent some time at uh, Fort Leonard Wood, which they call Fort Lost in the Woods, which is also in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. So okay, so what's what's that? uh, Then what happens? What's that tour look like?
2: So I mean, it was funny. I I still remember that phone call. bizarre. I mean, I remember where I was sitting. I remember like everything about that phone call from my assignment office, because in my mind, I was, I had this thought that if I, if I kill it, you know, my first duty assignment, I'm going to work my tail off and they're going to give me, you know, a good follow on assignment. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking (laughs) the assignment office, I was like, did I, did I do something wrong? Have I, (laughs) have I not, you know, And there no, you know, and of course this it's a sign and all. So like, no, actually it's quite the opposite. You know, we really need somebody to blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean you it's not like you have choice, it's just kind of sure. like, you know, yeah, okay.
0: Well, yeah, you and in hindsight, uh, I think you were making the mistake of applying logic to these <laughs> that yeah. That, we'll we'll leave that alone, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyway. I mean and it's also
2: like it it's more of like a philosophical it's a more of a philosophical thought process too of you know, it's 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 hard to look back, and we can get into more of the stuff in a second. It's hard to look back and say, Oh, I regret that. You sure. know, or I regret that. You know, it's it's hard to have those regrets if yeah where you are now you're good with. Because yeah. to say it wouldn't, you know, all those things would have taken you somewhere else that wasn't so great.
0: Absolutely. I was for reading
2: sure. Reading something and I it's and I know I'm going to badly misquote this, so just kind of bear with me. And it, it's it's interesting. Um, there's like this Chinese kind of proverb or Chinese kind of, I don't even know what you would call it, but mm-hmm. there's, you know, this Chinese farmer and he, you know, he, he has these horses and the the horses, the, the his prize horse gets out and, you know, runs away. And the neighbors come up and they're like, oh, my gosh, that's that's so terrible. You know, we're sorry. You know, it, it's terrible that your horse ran away. And he was like, maybe, you know, and so a couple of days later, his prize horse comes back and, you know, brings back actually four other horses. So now he has five horses and they're like, oh, that's amazing. You're so lucky. You know, you have all these horses. And he's like, maybe. <laughs> and the next day, his son is riding one of the horses and falls off and, and breaks his leg. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that's that's terrible that, you know, your son broke his leg. And the farmer's like, maybe <laughs> the next day the the, you know, the government comes by the conscription service and is conscribing all the, the young men to go fight in a war. Hmm. And they can't take his son because he's got a broken leg. And again, they say, you're so lucky. And he's like, maybe. <laughs> so you know, the, 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 in the moral yeah. of the story is, is who's to say what
0: (laughs) sure it's all about your perspective and and maybe maintaining a a little bit of a stoic you know approach to things is a good good way to go but yeah that's 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 awesome i love that story um yeah okay so you're in missouri and then and then, then what happens
2: so yeah so they 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 send me up there uh you know, and, and it's one of those, I mean, you've deployed, so you understand it, like the pre-deployment training cycle is just you're yeah, everywhere, brilliant. everywhere, all the time, all at once. You know, you're yeah. here, you're there, and it's so you know, go through go through that and then you know get shipped off to uh get shipped off to Iraq. And it, it was actually funny. The 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 trip over there, I, I tell this story all the time, it's hilarious. So you know, with, with JAGS, it's not like we're deploying as part of, like, you know, the the sixth company or sixth mm-hmm. battalion where mm-hmm. everybody in mass is, is going together. It's sure. kind of like, we got to find a spot for you to get you over there somehow.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And yeah. so I was flying in a, a, a cargo plane from Kansas to england and then from england down to qatar and then a jumper from qatar into iraq baghdad and i remember talking to somebody and they're like bring a blanket like what are you talking about i'm like i'm a grown man i'm not bringing a blanket (laughs) on on a plane (laughs) and they're like and they're like no you know bring bring your issue blanket you were you remember those like yeah yeah
0: they mm -hmm. absolutely
2: there's wool, greenish-brown blankets. Yep. <laughs> and so I, I, who am I to say? Somebody's telling me to do something. If there's anything you learn in the military, it's like... Sure. If somebody tells you something, even if it doesn't make sense, yes. you take the advice. <laughs> Absolutely. So I bring the blanket. Well, I didn't know it, but the, the cargo planes, they're not temperature regulated. Mm-hmm. So you're flying it. What do you fly? What do you fly at? 10,000 feet? Something like that? Sure. 10, 12. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah something like that. I don't know yeah. either. It's high. <laughs> yep. And, you know, I, I'll never forget, like, I had my... And we're in jump seats. So it's, it's not like there's seats in the middle. People are literally, yeah. like, sleeping on pallets, you know, and you're in the jump seats alongside of the fuselage, you know, so you're kind of hunched over like this. Yeah. And there was this poor girl, I remember, a young woman, you know, a, a younger enlisted who mm-hmm. didn't get the memo. And <laughs> the she blanket. literally chattered for, like, 10 <laughs> hours of just violently shook for 10 hours she was so cold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, this is uh not the it's a little different than than what most people think of when they think of the you know the attorney who makes all this money and <laughs> No. <laughs> I'm thinking no. you travel a little bit better now hopefully but um Yeah, well, with three kids I don't travel that much. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> all right, so you get to to Cutter and then you get into yeah, country they and-
2: a, Yeah, they take you take the jumper over into uh into baghdad
3: mm-hmm.
2: which was i mean if you like roller coasters it's great <laughs> because you know yeah. this so this was right before the surge in yeah so, so mm-hmm, what was that Nine.
0: Oh well there was one in like 2006 that it wasn't that uh, one okay gotcha. i think it was like
2: this 2000,
0: I want to say nine, right? Okay. Might
2: have nine been, yeah. Yeah,
0: something like that. I, I, I was there from 2005 to 2006 and they were really ramping up in the summer of 2006 and we were lucky to, to not get extended another three months over in yeah. country. So, but yeah, anyway, 2009, they definitely, yeah, you're probably right. 2009. Yeah.
2: There's something like that. Uh, and they, uh, you know, so you you're flying you know a regular you know regular and yeah. but because of you know there's there's mortars and yeah. rpgs and everything so they, they fly at a high height and then at the very end it's just like a straight like yeah
0: yep. i've been there done that
2: <laughs> yeah so you're it's, it's fun <laughs> yeah absolutely um, so get over there um and i was living and working in the mm-hmm. So there's two main prisons. there were two main prisons in mm-hmm. Be- in Iraq. Mm-hmm. There was the one down south in Basra, which was huge in mm-hmm. it. I think at the height it housed like twenty five thousand detainees mm-hmm. and then there was the smaller one in uh in Baghdad on camp victory. It was mm-hmm. called Camp Cropper and it housed maybe 5, 000, 25 to five thousand okay um and so we lived and worked there and my job when i was there was i was in cha- charge of the detainee review process mm-hmm. so you know every by the geneva conventions every i can't remember it was i think it was 6 months every 6 months if you're detaining somebody they have to have a means by which to you know uh, protest their detention mm-hmm. so every 6 months um you know they come before a board of officers that are reviewing their intel sheets their you know, their, their capture sheets, you know, and making a determination of whether they continue to pose a threat or whether they should be released. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, it was everybody from, you know, the 20 year old kid who took $10 to be a lookout for something that he didn't even know what he was being a lookout for to, yeah. you know, bad dudes. Um, and, and that was an awesome experience. It mm. was just, it was such a cool experience.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just my, my uh, have to. I'll, I'll talk to you later about how the because I was I was attached. We were actually working with the Iraqis directly, um, you know, and so they were in charge, you know, supposedly. But yeah. uh, but they were they would go and round all these people up and just <laughs> if bring them back and uh, have detainees that. I, you know, I, I imagine it was a little less, um, you know, more, not as many strings attached as far as the the process went there for them, for compared to what you're dealing with, because you're dealing with the U.S. is is uh, you know are the ones yeah. rounding everyone up, right?
2: Yeah. So I think there was there was a filtering process. So mm-hmm. you know, if you you were probably out in the field with a unit, yeah, you know, and, exactly. and you probably had a forward operating base that you guys were were working Correct. out of. So I, I they, made
0: it to Camp Victory at one point, but yeah, we were closer to the Iranian border, pretty far out there.
2: Yeah, so you guys would would round up some people. There'd be a yeah. filtering process for you guys there. You know, yeah. you take you know, yeah. ten guys would come in. You'd look at them and say, "Listen, you know, these four are nothing. You know, right. let them go." Yeah. And then these six are something, and then they would be sent to either Basra or, or Iraq. It. Makes sense.
0: So you said that was an awesome experience. Why? Why do you say that?
2: Uh, it was. You know, it's. I. I. When I deployed, by no means will I ever compare myself to a guy. You know, hoping a, a rucksack. You know, and mm-hmm. and and you know, out in the field, you know, with Kevlar and, and a and a trigger. Mm-hmm. That was. You know, I'm not that tough. You know. I didn't have that experience i'll never try to pretend like i did <laughs> um but it was it was awesome being part of a 24 7 operation that you felt was important sure um and i mean you worked every single day of the week you worked you were in you know you, you went back to your hooch to sleep and then you got up and you went and got breakfast and you went back to doing what you were doing Sure. Um, and You know, working. So the officers that would sit on the detainee review board, it was guys from the field coming in and it was like a take a knee for them. So they would come in for a week or two and sit on these boards and it would be an opportunity for them to take a breath. Hmm, So they would come in from the field, Mm -hmm. they would get hooch with a hot shower and hot Mm -hmm. meals and they could just have a week or two of going and, and sitting on a board.
0: Sure, so it's unofficial R and R a little bit. I mean, yeah. sort of. Yeah, we yeah. we actually that's why we went to Camp Victory was to take a little bit of a break sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. So interesting. No, and I, and what I'm hearing is it's you know you're being you're you have purpose right, and you're plugged into a, a mission that's bigger than than Brian Gallagher right yeah yeah <laughs> so and I think that's critical um for all kinds of things success and happiness and um so and so how long were you in Iraq for it was only six months oh gotcha. uh, the
2: air force is lucky and that their deployments were only six month deployments
0: yeah um yeah my, mine was 12 but it's man. I said that my, our mobilization was worse than the deployment, but next week we're g- you're going to interview me and I'll, I'll talk more <laughs> about that. Um, so tell us about, <clears throat> excuse me, how things went when, when you
2: got home. Um, they went, it was a little rough when I got home and it, it you know, listen, you know, by no means am I ever going to, am i trying to say that it was any sort of like ptsd or or, or anything like that i didn't have those experiences you know and i'm not but it just it was a little bit rough i remember i got back and i tested positive for having been exposed to tv Hmm. um do you remember getting uh was it the I'm trying. I'm, I'm getting my vaccinations. Shops. Yeah, confused. I forget. Yeah, smallpox was the was the vaccination that was the worst. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um. No. So this was yeah. So so I get back and I remember you know when you get back to stateside you go through all this like testing. Yeah. Um. And I remember like I, I felt fine. I was fine. And um, you're doing this testing and and you're not really paying attention to anything. And then all of a sudden like this junior enlisted guy like comes and grabs me and starts walking me around places. I'm like, what's going on? And, and you're turns a captain? Out that, what's
0: that? You were a captain at this, yeah. at this point? Gotcha.
2: Yeah. yeah. And and he's not really saying anything, because I know he's not, he knows he's not allowed to say anything, but I'm, I'm like, what's going on? He's like, "They'll somebody will explain it to you, sir. Somebody will explain to you. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it turns out that i had been exposed to tuberculosis and you know we've kind of eradicated that in the US sure but i mean i was living and working in a third world prison yeah so With, apparently sure. yeah so apparently i'd been exposed to tb and hmm. so for 9 months you have to take this like heavy duty medicine that you know it wrecks hell on your liver you have to go hmm. you have to go in to get your liver checked for you know, every month you can't drink on it because it's so hard on you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know, it made me feel weird. Um sure. And so, you know, and then, you know, I'm, I'm getting back to my base. My friends had basically replaced me on deployment. So mm-hmm. I'm going back to this base in the middle of nowhere. I'm on this mm-hmm. medicine that it's kind of gnarly mm-hmm. of, am I okay? Am I not okay? Sure. And... You know, and then I started having like a little bit of like a heart prop, like a, Mm. I don't, it was like I was having a hard time getting my blood pressure under control. Mm. And uh, it was just like a little bit of a gnarly time. You know, part of me felt like I was getting older, like all my friends are getting married. You know, I knew I didn't want to make a career in the military. And then I started to feel like, oh my gosh, was this a mistake? You know, all my friends are starting, you know, they're on partnership tracks at law firms. You know, I'm going to be mm-hmm. so behind everybody, you know, yeah. and here I am stuck in the middle of nowhere, Missouri. And, and I, you know.
0: Yeah. So. You, yeah. I mean, that's, there's a lot. No, there's a lot there. That's, I, I can totally see why that would be, you know, you might easily fall into a bit of a downward mental spiral. Um, you know, and again, and it, we, I have people on the the show and it's inevitable you get into comparison. Well, you had it worse than I did. And that's, oh, I think yeah. there's, I think it's okay on some level to do that. Cause then it's like, that gives you, you know, people had it worse than you did. Right. And, um, but that doesn't mean that was a fun time for you. <laughs> you know, that doesn't uh, negate what you were going through at all. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it sounds like, so was it, was that kind of dark period? Was it like the, the nine months you mentioned or how long before? Yeah. So
2: Yeah. So it's, yeah, it was, I actually started, and so, you know, I I knew I wasn't depressed because I knew it was going to get better. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was just, you know, I had an outlook that this is all temporary. It's, it's all going to get better. Um, and I remember it was, you know, in the military, there's this stigma with, with mental health and, you know, there's this fear that if you Feel like you need to talk to somebody all of a sudden that's going to be a pop, you know a, a scarlet mm-hmm. letter on your your record and all of a sudden yeah. now you're not going to be able to you know get certain assignments or, or whatever
0: certainly back then i'm guessing I, it's changed a little bit yeah. some but um yeah no absolutely and i worked for you know dod for years afterwards and even as a civilian getting a clearance and things it used to be you know if you saw a counselor it was like, "Whoa, this is this person even trustworthy to to have access to classified information?" you know. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you should probably go see
2: a counselor. Yeah. So, no, but and, and that's actually one of the things that helped me out the best is I actually um started paying out of my own pocket even though we had the best health insurance in the world technically. Mm-hmm. You know, I started right. paying I was paying out of pocket to go see some guy off base.
0: Okay. And, and that's and again, this was what? What year was this? Oh,
2: this is oh nine ish. Yeah.
0: So, you know, now people talk about it a lot more. But you know, and that was, I think, but but then that was, you know, fourteen years ago. Wasn't really quite as accepted, I would no. say.
2: Oh, believe me, nobody um, knew I did it. <laughs> my family knew I did it. You know, let alone you know the guys in the the office. <laughs> right. Um, right yeah, no, I was going, you know, way off base, you know, way far away from base. to sure. And he was, he was and, a grandfatherly type guy and it was, it just kind yeah. of centered me a little bit. Sure. No, um, I mean, and, and, um,
0: and again, I keep chiming in with my own <laughs> tidbits here, but, uh, I, I spoke on another episode about how my, my wife and I actually fairly recently, um, you know, did some marital counseling and he was kind of a a grandfatherish type uh, guy that we we uh, spoke with and and worked with and yeah that's a great way to put it it just kind of centered us and um, it wasn't like we had some crazy problem we had to fix but it's it's I see it like coaching you know there's no I mean why you know not
2: the best the, my my buddy gave the best analysis and I'll also say my wife and I um, in the past have, have done counseling and gotcha. the best analogy. Is my buddy gave it. He goes, You don't need to be four hundred pounds to benefit from a personal trainer.
0: That's so true. Yeah. I see. No, that's a that's a great point. I see people on like Twitter and you know, people who are really in shape, they they get asked, Well, you don't they say people say you don't need to go to the gym. You're in shape. It's like that's why I'm in shape. Going to yeah. the gym, you know. So yeah. that's why I'm I'm doing well is because I'm seeing I'm working with a personal trainer. I'm working with a therapist. You yeah. know, I'm not necessarily speaking for myself. Just that's why not. I mean, you know, the best of the best have coaches. So no, I appreciate you you sharing that about 2009 and also later with with your wife. I mean, that's. Uh, it's actually something I want to focus more in later episodes. Of, you know, as far as like entrepreneurship and and mental health, because I think it's you know more and more a, a pressing issue that we need to need to address. Um, yeah. So walk us through, Brian. Um, go ahead.
2: No, no, no. Say no. I was,
0: go ahead. Yeah, I mean, walk us through from, uh, you know, from kind of that two thousand nine. Up through today, and then we'll we'll talk about how you're uh, how you branched out on your on your own professionally. So what? And I know there's a lot to cover there, but kind of if you can kind of summarize the last you know 14 years, maybe, yeah. maybe more
2: on the professional side would be good. Yeah, yeah. No, so professionally, um, got out of the military. It's you know this more than anybody. It is it is a leap of faith getting out of the military. Sure, most jobs that you have. You don't, you don't leave your current job until you have a new job lined up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
2: and generally speaking in the military, especially if you're going from military to private sector. Right. You have to give, is it 90 days that you have to give terminal your Uh, notice? I think, I think that's right. Sounds right. I, yeah, I think it's 90 days in the military. You have to give 90 days of saying, listen, in 90 days, I'll separate and, I'm not going to have a paycheck anymore. Yeah. And so you have 90 days to go get a, a new job and that even shrinks more because generally speaking most places don't need somebody until they need somebody.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> so yeah,
2: it compresses it, to it turns out you you end up having maybe 30 days to find a new job before you don't have a paycheck anymore.
0: Sure. And as an officer you're you're resigning your commission, right? Unless you Yeah. Yeah, so that's it's it's a big deal. It's a big big decision to make. Yeah. And a, and a, not an easy process. So so how did that
2: process go for you? I mean, thank God it it, it went pretty well. Um, you know, I put my notice in and, you know, I'm, I'm putting my resume out, applying to a bunch of different places. The first month or two, I'm not really getting any bites because again, you know part of it is listen I yeah I can't start work until such and such date the last you know six weeks it started to pick up and I started getting a lot of interviews um and again none of this you know none of this was through friends or through family contacts it was all just seeing an ad somewhere and mm-hmm. putting it submitting an application you know submitting my resume
3: mm-hmm.
2: and a couple you know I remember one particular week had a couple of interviews um had one that I really liked um and then the next day a place offered me I called back the the place that I liked and I said hey um I just got an offer but I really Mm. I wanted to talk to you guys before I accepted it because I I, Mm. I enjoyed my interview with you guys and and what you have to offer. Mm -hmm. He said give me an hour let me put together a package <laughs> um calls me back he's like okay here's what we would like to offer you um and it was actually less than the other firm hmm. um but i took it because i felt like i felt like it was a better fit for me and maybe mm-hmm. offered better uh opportunity for long term success
0: gotcha that's and, which isn't easy to do you know especially you know, I'm sure you saved up a little bit from your deployment or whatever, but um, you spend it all on counseling. No, I'm kidding. Um, but <laughs> but no, it's it's. I mean, it's easy for you to look. You know, for us to say, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. You turn down the higher offer for, but it's like that, you, that's a leap of faith as well. Um,
2: so yeah, I, mean, I just had a better feeling about you know the guy and the guy I interviewed with was the guy I would be working for, and and he's a guy that would become my mentor and and you know big part of my life i mean i actually had it even though i left the firm you know he's Mm -hmm. still there he and i had a beer last night you know (laughs) met each other for a beer um just so we you know to stay in touch sure um but and and this is something else that i'm interested in in chatting with you about because i think i'd I'd love to hear your take (laughs) so obviously i elected not to try to negotiate my salary you know, when, when I called back the firm that I went with, I didn't say, hey, they're offering me this. Can you beat it? Um, I just said, hey, they offered me, you know, I wanted to talk to you guys before. And when they offered me what they offered me, I didn't, I didn't say, I didn't try to negotiate that salary. Sure. Um, And I, and I don't think back then, so this is 2011. I don't uh-huh. think back then it was as big of a thing to try to negotiate a salary. Sure. Yeah, I don't um, think so. But having been on the hiring end of hiring mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm, it always ends up rubbing me the wrong way. You when don't people like it. their salary.
0: Yeah. 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 I don't know. I think there's a way to do it as, you know, as the applicant. Um, I, I think nowadays it's kind of expected there's going to be some negotiation. Um, but i i hear you and i've been in that position where it's like yeah it does I, I don't i've been in the hiring position where i don't like it as well um yeah. but yeah, yeah i don't I mean, know this
2: i mean and listen this this is assuming all things being equal that they're offering you equal pay for equal work and they're not trying sure. to take advantage of you and and i'm not speaking to any of those situations sure um but, you know, it's, it's always interesting when, you know, somebody is really tough negotiating their salary and mm-hmm. does it change what the expectations mm-hmm. are of them when they start working for you?
0: Sure. Yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, yeah, that's a, that's an episode in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so you, you worked there for what, 14 years, you said, or, or 12, 12 years. years, 12 years, yeah, about
2: 12 years.
0: Got it. Um, and you kind of fell into the real estate and mortgage note work. Uh, what other kind of work did you did you do there?
2: So I cut my teeth doing title insurance uh, yep. litigation. So when people make claims against their title insurance, you know, mm-hmm. our firm was retained to represent their interests. Um, and then I remember I can't remember how it, how it happened, but I remember the first foreclosure I ever did was on a. Two million dollar commercial property in Baltimore, <laughs> and we were foreclosing on the disbarred king of foreclosures. So he was. We were. Wow. Just, we were foreclosing on the building that used to house a foreclosure attorney's huge <laughs> practice wow. that wow. Had, you know wasn't able to practice anymore. Wow, so it was fascinating. It was, so it was. It was, it was weird. Um, Yeah,
0: that's uh, so your, your first case in the military was a big one. And then your first foreclosure case was.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. And so I, and how did that case go?
2: It went great. I mean, it it was, it went smooth. And I mean, it was, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, they called me up and they asked me if I can do it. And I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. But I researched it and I mm-hmm. and I thought I can do this. And, <laughs> you know, even though, you know, I probably I probably worked five times what I actually build the client mm-hmm. because I wanted to make sure that I was doing it right and,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, res you know, researched everything to the hilt. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I I I knew I was stretching myself, but it yeah. turned out that that it worked and
3: yeah,
0: well, I think that's no, uh, yeah, and that's that's a critical piece to you know growth in general, right? Is finding that you got to get uncomfortable. And I know our our mutual uh, friend Chris Seventy has has pushed you to be uncomfortable sometimes, and in some ways, right, and me as well. Don't get me wrong, um, he's pushed me as well, but. But, uh, you know, you got to find that line between, you know, on one side, it's you got to be uncomfortable, push your boundaries, learn new things, get a little bit scared, but but obviously not, you know, throw caution to the wind. And
2: yeah, so yeah, 100% it's such a fine line of. I don't want to, it's not faking it till you make it. It's not faking it. If yeah. you put in the work, right. If you're putting in the work. It's not faking it. But well, it's.
0: Yeah. And you you didn't. I presume you didn't say. Oh no, I've done 100 of these cases before, you know, cuz that's just not true. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so you're not lying, but you just have confidence that you you can figure it out or if you reach a point where you you don't know the answer, then you have resources to go to 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 find those answers. Mm-hmm. Um at least that's my my view on it.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, um, and it, it it worked out well and it just kind of you know, it just kind of started to steamroll from there
0: um yeah so as we as we start to move toward the end here because I do have some rapid fire questions after this this uh next topic yeah. but um what um you know talk to us a little bit about what you know why you decided to to leave and go out on your own um you know that's not a not an easy thing at all so is it and, and obviously you're you're still on good terms with your your prior, prior employer um so it sounds like it wasn't all bad there not like you were running away from something necessarily but but when did the thought start creeping in your mind and how did that process go mentally before you were before you really decided to to jump jump So shadow?
2: I mean it, it so the reason I ended up leaving is you know kind of a tale as old as time when it comes to to law firms it's you know you, you don't necessarily Agree with maybe one of the a a certain way things are are done, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm talking about a pure business thing. They're they're very, Mm -hmm. you know, I have nothing but good things to say about the firm. They gave me my opportunity. They allowed me to to spread my wings, and and you know, and and like I said, my mentor is still there, and you know, we refer cases back and forth to each other. Mm -hmm. But you know, there there was an aspect to it that I just. Had a hard time going along with, um, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it, there was a, a a consultant I I spoke to, and I was talking to her about, you know, maybe I need to start looking at a, at a different firm. You know, I just don't think they're going to change this one management, you know, position that they have on on something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's like, Brian, she goes, you just need you just need to take the jump and you need to start your own firm. She goes, if if it's not this at this firm, you're going to go to another firm and it's going to be mm-hmm. something at that firm. And she goes, I, I think, you know, ha- having gotten to know your personality a little bit, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I think, I think you should seriously think about starting your own shop. Hmm. Um, so let me
0: ask you this, was this a, just because, you know, we talk about coaching and finding a coach and a mentor and a counselor, this was a, a paid consultant was this a, a formal relationship or more of
2: a? It was informal an informal relationship? relationship. Yeah, it was. It's a little yeah. Gotcha. It's, okay. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's, a, it was it's, an informal relationship. Got it. Um, um that I kind of developed. Um, and and it was through you know staying in touch with people. Um, sure. She was somebody that had done you know something, um, and I just I thought she had value to add. Sure. Um and so I stayed in touch with her. And you know, we would have some conversations about the firm and you know the problems that I was, ha- you know, why I was having these sleepless nights. And mm. um, you know, and when we got to this place where she's like, I, you know, I'm telling her what my numbers are and she's like, I think you can do it. I, I think you can do it. And mm-hmm. you know, with my personality, once I decided yeah, that's what I want to do. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's like I yeah. put blinders on and and that's you know what was gonna happen. Sure. No, um that's and it was, you know, it's it it's it's funny. I was having this conversation with somebody and and I'm lucky enough I really enjoy the clients I work with. And and I'm actually <laughs> I don't know whether I should say this. I'm actually really <laughs> quick to tell somebody that I don't want to work with them. Anymore.
0: Well, you, 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 I'm still
2: working with you, so I guess I made it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and it's, it's you know, it's life's too short and the work mm. that we all do is way sure. too hard to, yeah. to, you know, to put up with things sure. that aren't right. And, and so I've always been I've been kind of quick to say, listen, I'm not sure this relationship is good for you or me. Mm. Maybe it's best for us to part ways. And I mean, that's a hard
0: thing to do to tell somebody.
2: I don't want to take your money anymore.
0: Well, especially if you're starting your own
2: business, right? I mean, yeah. So, Um, but it's just it's so much better when, and I and I am I feel good about this that I feel like I have I enjoy the relationships that I have with my clients.
3: Mm. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, you know. it's it, and when you know there's a problem when you see the number on your on your phone and you roll your eyes and you go oh, God yeah or or is it better that you see the number on the phone and you grab it and you go What's going on what, What's <laughs> up What can I help you with
0: Yeah, you know, I it's just, I mean some some attorneys we've dealt with that, you know are just very transactional and it's that's fine uh, but it's not really a relationship thing uh, Yeah, so yeah. I, I can tell the listener out there that working with Brian if he lets you work with him um it's uh it's it's a long term you know it there's not nickel and diming going on so um big picture you know it's not all about this this one deal necessarily mm-hmm. so but uh what how long did it take you from that you know i guess from that uh conversation or you know what was that process was it six months or 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 six days
2: it, 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 i've been having these I call them the sleepless nights. I it, something mm-hmm. was, you know, there's this issue that's wrong. I'm having I'm struggling with it. Mm-hmm. For months I'm struggling with it. We, it. we had a final partners meeting where it kind of the, the the lines were drawn in the sand. And then you know, that's a Friday. And then on Monday I came in and I said, mm-hmm. hey guys, I'm I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Um and the managing partner was you know, guy by the name of Steve Oberg um, was awesome. And, you know, he, he was just amazing with, yeah, hey, I get it, man. You know, I wish you the best. Um, you know, I wrote him a letter afterwards, just thanking him for how much of a gentleman he was, you know, mm-hmm. afterwards. And, and he and I have talked since. Um, it was really hard telling my mentor. And, and frankly, he's what kept me at the firm way, way longer than I ever mm-hmm. would have stayed just because mm-hmm. i felt so much loyalty to him and, and just because of everything he's done for me and my family over the years sure. um but he ended up get he get he got it you know he had a, you know nobody he wasn't mean to me or anything like that mm-hmm. I, I would never have expected that out of him mm-hmm. and he and i've stayed in touch and, you know every other week we get a beer mm-hmm. um and you know so and then i left the firm like about a month later so you know, during that month, I was reaching out to my clients and telling them, "Listen, you have a choice. You know, mm-hmm. as a client, you can stay with the firm, you can come with me, or you can go get another attorney entirely." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I was I was really really lucky in that every client that I hoped would come with me came with me. Um, and uh, so I've been it's about five weeks now, six weeks now that mm-hmm. I've I've been doing it yeah. and. Yeah,
0: it's (laughs) drinking through a fire hose. (laughs) I was going to say, so so now, you know, what's as as we again, as we wrap up here, start to what's been the biggest or one of the biggest surprises or challenges, you know, that you didn't necessarily see coming from the business standpoint, not not from, you know, the, the attorney standpoint, but just something you didn't have to deal with before. And now you do. I wouldn't say.
2: I'd like to think that I was pretty prepared for it all. Gotcha. In terms of, I kind of knew what I was biting off. I knew that all of a sudden I wasn't going to have, you know, three paralegals and secretaries that I could just say, go do whatever. I knew I was going to have to do that, at least from the beginning. Sure. Um, sure. But you have I kids. was always no, the just biggest just, thing that...
0: What's that? <laughs> I said, you have kids. They can do all yeah, that. No, right. I'm, I'm
2: kidding. I'm kidding. The, the biggest <laughs> thing that I was worried about was running the ledger and the accounting. That was my biggest biggest sure. concern Um, because I didn't have much involvement with that at my old firm. But mm-hmm. I mean, the software just makes it so easy. Mm-hmm. And sure. as long as as long as you're diligent about doing things in real time, it's yeah. not a big deal.
0: Yep, absolutely. No, that makes sense. Um, Yeah, I'm curious to see how what you have to say in a, in a year from now from the the business standpoint. But well, you, but no, well, you I mean, know it's
2: you know what's Go fun ahead. is that I, I my dad my dad's working for me.
0: Oh really? What's, yeah. So my dad
2: it? was an attorney. He didn't. Uh, he worked for the DOJ and the Library of Congress. He wasn't like a practicing attorney. Uh-huh. Um, and he's been retired for like eight years. And he said, you know, it's only so much golf I can play. I'm kind of getting tired. <laughs> he's like, let me know That's if awesome. you want help. So you know, my dad's my dad's so you know cool. a, a law clerk working with me, and it's been really nice. cool.
0: That's awesome. So cool. Um, yeah, so so you are you from the business standpoint? Are you like, I don't want to say you, you're obviously you don't want to turn down work, but are you focused on marketing and growth? Or is it kind of like you have your book of business and you, you're kind of good for now?
2: That's a great question. Um, I would say that it, it's actually been this way. I don't think I've done a marketing or networking event for... Uh, mm-hmm. a year or two um before i had kids i was at a networking event three nights a week every single week at least three nights a week i was hoofing it to some sort of networking event mm-hmm. all of my referrals now 100 percent of my referrals now are from uh clients
3: mm-hmm. hey so and so yeah
2: yep. and and yep. it's it's like the note industry is is very insular. It's, it is very small. It's it's, it's small, and if you yeah. do a good job for a couple people, you know yep. it, it. You know it, it does. can help.
0: Um. So, what does your typical client look like? I mean, you've talked about the real estate investor and the mortgage note investor, but I know you've done other kind of more broad, uh, contract work and that type thing. Um what's your typical client look like as far as honestly
2: it's it's and i like it this way the diversity of it um Mm -hmm. you know i have clients that are multinational companies um you know for instance i represent a bunch of malls doing all their premises liability work Hmm. um and then i have you know clients that uh you know they're they're trying to buy a house and and the deal went sideways and they need mm-hmm. me to step in and help them bring it to the finish line and then i have everything in between that you know in the note industry i have people buying their first note that need a ton of handholding and then mm-hmm. i have people like you and chris and you know funds that yep. you know they don't need me to explain anything <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's that's cool, and, and and I imagine that produces a lot of variety for for you on a day to day. It basis. does, it does. Got it. Awesome. All right, so I do have some rapid fire questions. You ready? Do it. Yep. Um, what's one thing that pe- people misunderstand about you, Brian? That. Oh man,
2: this is this is a, that's a really good question. Um. I like my you, you might not score. believe this. Yeah, you might not <laughs> believe this, <laughs> but I don't talk a lot actually, and I'm I'm way more. I'm kind of a pretend extrovert. I've mm-hmm. realized that mm-hmm. in the business world, you can't really be a pure introvert. You, you have to at least pretend to some degree to be, you know, open and gregarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I can write. I'm, I'm kind of an introvert. You know, what's, yeah. I, I like something like this, I really enjoy this. This is great. <laughs> yeah. But to yeah. be honest with you, I'm going to need to go be by myself <laughs> and, you know, for the next hour and kind of like recuperate.
0: <laughs> um, I'm with you. Um, totally. I totally get it. Um, if you could go back and give your 18-year-old self some advice, what would that be?
2: Worry about yourself.
0: Okay. So so don't worry about what other people think of you or
2: what. what's... Yeah, just, I, you know, when I was 18, I was more, I was, God, I was entirely focused on football and where am I going to go play football in college? Mm. Um, and you know, I kind of wish that I'd just taken that out of the equation and, and picked the best school for me as a person. Mm. So.
0: I see. Got it. Um, if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? Oh. Or beer. JFK. Okay. Nice.
2: I don't. I'm a little bit obsessed with uh, the the Kennedys.
0: There you go. Um, if you were given ten million dollars tomorrow, what would you do with it?
2: Breathe. <laughs> That's breathe. I, 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 you know, everybody thinks about what they would do if they hit the lottery. I don't think I would do anything for a couple <laughs>
3: months.
0: <laughs> just, just. Actually, one one uh, somebody I just interviewed, the episode will be out by the time this one comes out. But he said financial abundance for him has allowed uh, margin, and that's what he just like just that space, you know. It's um, so not necessarily like greed or having to you know invest in all these crazy things. Is just that peace of mind, really?
2: Yeah, I think, and that's what I mean by like breathe is mm-hmm. just. Relax for a minute.
0: (laughs) It's not, yeah, I don't
2: want to go buy this or buy that. Just,
0: you know. Sure. Um, So back to your business, what's one challenge that you're facing right now in your business?
2: Um, When to hire. Do I want to hire? Do I want to start supervising again? Or do I just want to take some time work with the clients that I currently have and, you know, Mm -hmm. figure out what I want to do in a couple of months.
0: Yeah. I wish I could say that question. Those questions go away, but.
2: (laughs) Supervising is hard. It is hard to supervise. It is.
0: Yep. And it's hard to know when to, when to hire. There's always that, that tension. Um, Let's see if there was one occupation you could try that's totally totally different than what than being an attorney. FBI agent oh nice but you're colorblind right
2: yeah I I'm, I feel like I could be okay
0: <laughs>
2: I always wanted to be an FBI agent
0: it's funny you and I have a lot in common but um I'll tell you my my story about that later so um let's see what else Brian have we have we uh what have we not covered that you'd like to no this has been fun this has been cool.
2: I've enjoyed it.
0: So, for our listener out there who maybe they're they have a W2 job, you know, maybe they're not necessarily an attorney but but they um are thinking about kind of making the leap, um do you have any advice for that person? Kind of what's, you know, what to weigh, how to how to work through that process? I mean, there's no one size fits all, but any any one or two principles you could provide?
2: Yeah, I think I think listen, America runs on small business. Um, and you know, maybe that's not for everybody, but I think I think you would be doing yourself a service if you approached your job tr- trying to position yourself to have the option of starting your own business, meaning not being entirely reliant on others for work. I love it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Brian Gallagher, um I know your website is briangallagherlaw.com t
2: um, brian t gallagher.
0: I missed the t. I see yeah, it there now. There. Apparently Thank there's you. another brian
2: gallagher law out there.
0: <laughs> brian t gallagherlaw.com if I could read that would be helpful. Um, so Brian, where where else can our listeners uh, how can they Reach out to
2: you. Yeah, you can shoot me an email, um, Gallagher at Brian T. Gallagher Law.com. Uh, email is probably the easiest way. Um, you can get there through the website that my uh, lovely wife helped to design. Nice. Yeah, she's in marketing, and I wasn't going to trust myself with that.
3: <laughs>
2: um, like I said, Looks the website is Brian T. Gallagher Law.com, and yeah. uh, you can get me through there.
0: And what uh, are there specific I know there's specific states for foreclosures and things like that. What what states yeah, do you so, operate in?
2: Yeah, so I do foreclosures in in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. Um, but then, you know, a lot of what I do is just kind of acting as a general counsel uh, for people, and, and I do that throughout the country. Got
0: it. One question I forgot to ask: What's you have a book that you could recommend? Anything for entrepreneurs or or anyone who wants to uh, be the best version of themselves?
2: Hmm. It's funny I went a couple during the pandemic I went on this kick there was this book it was like I think it was like fifth it was like a real man reading challenge and it was like okay. 30 or 40 books um about growth and things like that okay and I have to look that up you know it, it I one of the I really like Robin Sharma's books Okay. I'm really, really uh The Monk in the Ferrari or The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Um, I haven't read it, I've heard of it. Yep. Yeah, that and then the the 5 a.m. He has some a book about 5A, getting up early, which is something mm-hmm. I do now. Um, I really enjoy Robin Sharma's books. And they're nice. more kind of they're good for business, but they're more they're better for like peace of mind. He's actually a reformed attorney that uh became nice. a uh, kind of a, a self help guy
0: cool awesome really cool well brian gallagher thank you so much i know we ran a little long uh really appreciate your time today and uh yeah this was this was really fun so absolutely i
2: appreciate it jamie
0: absolutely and to the listener out there thank you so much for spending your most valuable resource with us and
1: that is your time thanks everyone take care thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us your time if you like the show Please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time.
0: Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone You love.